0: Welcome to week 26 of our look through the book of Matthew. Hi, this is Pastor Tom, and we are looking this week and next week at Matthew 24 and 25. Uh, You might know if you're a student of the Bible that these are the two chapters where Jesus teaches about his second coming. It's called, in many places, the Olivet Discourse because it happens on the uh, Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olivet, as he goes out of Jerusalem towards the outskirts of the city, they're able to look down on the temple from there. And from that place, Jesus teaches about his coming again, based on some questions his disciples ask him. So I like to call this the University of Olivet, because in many ways, Jesus teaches us here everything we need to know about his second coming. He's the one telling us, and he's the one who's coming again. So he sums up all that you see in Daniel and Revelation and many other places in the Bible in this one place. This is one of the most important subjects of Scripture. I know that for many of us, it is one of the things we're most interested in. As I talk to Christians, probably for more of us it's something we're not all that interested in because we're living our lives, our everyday lives today. We know Jesus is going to come again someday, but what does that have to do with my life today? However, when you take a look at the scripture, you'll find that entire chapters, entire books of the Bible are devoted to this important truth. Some facts about the second coming. One out of every 30 verses in the Bible mentions the subject of the end of time or of Christ's return. So God wants us to live our lives with that in view. There are 216 chapters in the New Testament. In those 216 chapters, there are well over 300 references to the return of Christ. just shows you how it comes up again and again. In fact, only four of the 27 New Testament books fail to mention Christ's return. And here, we look at this Olivet Discourse, this two-chapter message that Jesus preached on his second coming. If you look at the actual words of preaching, there are just over 2,100 words in this Olivet Discourse. There are just under 2,500 words in the Sermon on the Mount. So they're nearly equal. And yet, the Sermon on the Mount obviously gets a lot more attention. And there's a lot to preach on, a lot to study in the Sermon on the Mount. I entirely agree with that, but I don't want to miss what Jesus has to say here. Jesus has a lot to say about his second coming. I know some of us look at this and they say, yeah, I, I know he's coming again. I don't need to know all the details. And I I think the picture I'd give you and I of this is the picture of the nutrition information that's often on the back of the food that you buy. A lot of people just ignore it. Some people just feel good that it's there. They don't even really look at it. Other people, they get so fanatical about it. They know all, they've got memorized all the charts and calculations, every percentage and what it means. And sometimes when it comes to those food calculations, the fanatics can keep the rest of us from getting interested because we feel like, well, I just can't understand. It's it's just too complicated. It's too big for me. That can happen with the truth of the second coming. Sometimes there are those who are so fanatical about it, they've got so many charts, so many ways of looking at it that you feel like, I just can't understand it. But the truth is, Jesus wanted us to understand it. That's why he talked about it. When it comes to the nutrition information on the back of a label, sometimes all the confusion can keep you from even looking at it. So you don't look at information that's vital to your physical health. And sometimes some of the overextended charts can make us feel like it's confusing. It's not meant to be. That's maybe one person's way of looking at it. I'm not putting down those who do charts, but I am going after the feeling that it gives some of us, which is I can't understand it. Jesus wants you to understand it. And it's truth that's good for your physical health. The truth of his coming is good nutrition for your soul. It's a label that he's put on your life. Jesus says, I'm coming again for you. It's a label that he's put on your life that is worth looking at. So we're going to look at the details of what Jesus has to teach. But in those details, we're going to see three major truths these next couple of weeks together. Now, as you think about what Jesus had to teach here, you see the first of those major truths in just the first couple of verses, verse 1 and 2. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things he asked? I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. We're going to look at three major truths these next two weeks. The first truth is don't allow your hope to be misplaced. Don't allow your hope to be misplaced. Jesus begins this teaching beside the temple and the disciples are pointing it out and they're most likely very impressed with this temple. It was an impressive place. In the building of it, Herod, this is called Herod's temple because he had built this temple. A hundred priests had been trained as masons to lead 10,000 skilled laborers in the building of this temple. And it was a temple of marble plated marble that was plated with gold. Parts of it were 15 stories high. It had foundation stones in it that were from 100 to 500 tons. And Jesus looks at all of this and he says, not one stone is going to be left on another. Well, class is in session. The disciples are interested. The disciples would have looked at this temple as something that would never fall. And Jesus taught them this is a human achievement not to be trusted. Even those 100 ton foundation stones, they are not enough to hold a person's hope. So, one of the questions I have to ask as I listen to the teaching of Jesus is Is my hope misplaced? So much of what's in this world looks like it's never going to be, never going to be lost, like it's those 100 ton foundation stones. It's never going to crumble. Don't be tempted to misplace your hope. Jesus is coming again. And all foundations except him are one day going to crumble. All nations, all families, all denominations, all of it's going to crumble. What's going to last? His people, his church. Jesus, is your hope placed on human will, human achievement? Jesus says, that's the wrong place. No matter how strong that foundation looks in this world, don't put it there. Put your hope in me. Well, class is in session, and so Jesus has prompted some thinking from his disciples, and they immediately asked two questions. In verse 3, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, as we walk through this, you're going to see there are some difficult things to understand in Matthew 24 and also in 25. One of the keys to unlocking the meaning of Matthew 24 is understanding that Jesus is answering his disciples' questions. They ask, when are these things going to happen? Well, He just said not one stone is going to be left on the other. When's that going to happen, they're asking. When's that temple going to fall? And what's going to be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, the truth of the matter is, they thought they were asking one question, but they're actually asking two. And Jesus is going to say some things to them in Matthew 24 about when the temple's going to fall. He's going to say some things to them about when his coming is going to happen, when the end of the age is going to happen. And we sometimes can determine which is which, and sometimes we're not so sure as we look at this because all of it hasn't happened yet. World history, in the way that you and I think about it sometimes, is different than the world history that is explained throughout the Bible. We tend to define world history into two parts, B.C. and A.D. But in the scriptures, world history is defined into two parts, the present age and the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord or the age to come is the day when God changes everything. He comes and he establishes his kingdom on this earth. So when you and I think about what these disciples are asking, they're asking, when is this day of the Lord coming that we've been looking forward to? And Jesus begins to answer. But as he begins to answer, he starts with a warning. Not only do you be careful not to let your hope be misplaced, Jesus says, here's a second major truth. And we're going to see this again and again through this chapter. Don't let yourself be misled. When it comes to the truth of the second coming, it's easy to be misled because it hasn't happened yet. So someone can lie about it, be confident about it, even though they're lying, and they can mislead even those who have faith in Jesus. So in verse four, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. One of the greatest dangers of the truth of the second coming is being misled. There are false teachers down through history who again and again and again have misled people about these truths. So Jesus just says very clearly, don't be misled by people and don't be misled by the signs. Don't be misled by people, by false prophets and fake Christs. Don't be fooled by those who claim Christ's power to themselves. And don't be misled by the signs. Don't be fooled into thinking that Jesus has to wait for certain things to happen to come again. He could come again at any moment. And don't be fooled into thinking that because this certain thing happened, he has to come again right now. He'll come again when it's God's will, only when it's God's will. Jesus is saying, be very careful. You can be thrown off with the truth of the second coming. You can be misled. He wouldn't have said this. We're going to see him say it several times in these chapters if we weren't so easily deceived, if we couldn't so easily be misled. So how do you keep from being misled? Well, you don't trust in people, you trust in Jesus. You don't trust in people's word, you trust in Jesus's word. And anything you hear somebody teaching about the second coming, you check it according to what Jesus had to say. You check it again and again according to what Jesus had to say. You don't trust in people, you trust in Jesus. You don't look for signs, you look for Jesus. Signs only point the way. What do they point the way to? They point the way to Jesus. That's where the focus has to be. So we're just sort of setting up this week very quickly today. Don't let your hope be misplaced and don't let yourself be misled. And then the third major truth that we're going to see during these next few weeks is if that's what I'm not supposed to do, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to be alert, be alert, be alert, be ready for what he's going to do. Jesus, when he wants to emphasize something, says it again and again, and he's going to say it again and again and again throughout these chapters Be alert, be alert. He's going to give us no less than eight different pictures of how we need to be alert to his coming. We need to be alert. We need to learn from his examples. The truth of the matter is we need to live with this life of anticipation, anticipating his coming again, anticipating the fact, alert to the fact that this world is not all there is, but there's an eternity that we're looking forward to. So that just sort of sets up where we're going these next few weeks together. Don't let your hope be misplaced. Don't let yourself be misled, but instead be alert to the fact that Jesus is coming again. As we begin this study together, let's just pray that those things would happen in our lives. As we pray today, God, we pray these three things that Jesus taught us. We pray that we wouldn't place our hope on things that aren't going to last. Show us when we're doing that and help us to transfer our hope to you. We pray that we wouldn't be misled by those who sound confident about things to come, but are not trusting in your word or teaching your word. And we pray that we would be alert, we'd be alive, we'd be aware, we'd be awake to the fact that you're coming again, that we can put all of our hope in you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, join us tomorrow. We're gonna dig into what it means to not be misplacing our hope and not being deceived.